Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. The Border Gavaska Trophy is still up for grabs after Australia levelled the Domain Test Series in Perth with a comprehensive 146-run win over India. We're going to review all the action and look ahead to Boxing Day. Test great Mitchell Johnson will be joining us a little later on, but we start with our own testy legend. Please welcome cricket.com.au senior writer, Mr. Andrew Ramsey. Sam, what a, what a test match that was. And let's say if the Perth Stadium keeps rolling out matches like that, this could be one of the great venues of world cricket. Weren't they talking about getting this to uh, this stadium to host Boxing Day and New Year's? They might host them all. Yeah, just playing them all here. They, they, <laughs> they can just keep using this same pitch because it recycles beautifully and I can't see any issue with that. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, Rambo, um, what were your initial thoughts? If we've wrapped it up here on day five. Uh, spicy wicket controversy, there was catches, there was a bit of banter between the two sides. What were your your overall thoughts, takeaways from the game? Oh, it was just a cracking match, wasn't it? From sort of go to woe. There was so much expectation and foreboding about what the pitch might do. There was talk of it cracking and falling apart of, you know, the game might not go into the second day. It might become a (laughs) 35-over shootout. Um, Mm. But it was bakingly hot and they thought the cracks might open up. But as it turned out, it yeah, the best part of the for batting on it was session one of day one, which was supposed to be the hardest, and yeah. uh, that's pretty much what that is what set up the game for Australia a century opening stand. And uh, from then on, it became a bit of a slog, um, runs were hard to come by, and they kept that advantage all the way through to the end. I can tell by the tone in your voice, you're very excited about the result here that the series is now one all going to Melbourne. Uh, the deciding factor you may have touched on it then the century stand between Aaron Finch and Marcus Harris that started the game. What about uh, the selection call from India not to pick a spinner? Ravi Ashwin was injured, but they also had Kuldeep Yadav and Ravindra Jadeja in the squad. But they opted, but India elected to go with four quicks, no spinner, and the man of the match was Nathan Lyon for Australia. Uh, it, um, they may have missed a trick there. I'm not mm. sure they were. The, obviously, that change was forced upon them with Ashwin suffering a side strain, bowling all those overs in Adelaide on the last day. Have you ever suffered a side strain? Uh, not a side strain. I had a side split once, but that was from just a very funny joke that I heard. Oh, right. Uh, the choice for them was which of the seamers to play, I think. They thought they might pick the spinning all-rounder, which looked like a bit of a, a masterstroke when he took a couple of wickets in the first innings, uh, Hanuma Vahari. But uh, when it came to the day four batting, and they couldn't break that partnership between Tim Payne and Usman Khawaja on the fourth morning they may have uh, wished they'd had a, a different bowling option then because there was a certain sameness about the Indian attack at that point so um, seeing Nathan Lyon earn man of the match honours would have given them something to think about but Virat Kohli said at the day's end um, they made their choice they were confident they'd looked at the pitch and 
gone with the fo- the best four bowlers they thought they had, so he was fairly unrepentant. Lots of attention around Virat Kohli. He was relatively quiet in the first test, but he was the uh, the centre stage act here in Perth. Uh, got a magnificent 100, 123's 25th test match century. Out in controversial fashion, he was also uh, at the centre of some of the more lively banter uh, throughout the match. The stump marks were definitely up in this fixture, and he wasn't even out there when some of the banter about him was being thrown around. Tim Payne was uh, very crafty, asking uh, Cobley's teammates what they thought of him as a bloke. Uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later with Mitch Johnson. Uh, but uh, what do we think about Coley? Obviously a fantastic batsman, but is all the focus on him? Is there too much focus on him? Not just from the media or from the Australian team, but now it just feels like he is soaking it all up uh, and probably taking a little bit off his teammates. Yeah, there's always been this theory that uh, he does uh, get a little bit too involved in a lot of that stuff that perhaps you know, the, his weakness, because he's obviously such a superior batsman, but his weakness might be his emotional streak and the, the amount of mental and physical energy he invests into you know, pumping himself up and getting the crowd involved. And whether it's to try and get his teammates on board, I'm not sure. It's, it's, just, it's quite compelling to watch. Like he's... Uh, He's animated, he's uh, arguing all the time. He he wants to be in every fielding position on the ground because he thinks that he can stop every ball that goes past. I think Steve Waugh said a couple of times he's never seen a more competitive cricketer who mm. thinks he can affect the outcome of every ball just by being involved in the contest. Um, and that sometimes it just gets a little bit out of hand. You have to think it must be a distraction for the team like, or a distraction for him to be so engaged in it. But... He seems to thrive on it when he lives in a country where there's a thousand million cricket fans. So he knows what it's like to be in the the centre of attention. And it's almost like if he's not, he feels like he's letting the team down or letting himself down. So um, he kind of rode it pretty well in this game, batted incredibly well, captained okay for for much of it. But um, I don't know how he bounces back from that. You, You think if he's such a big test, they were within sight of taking a 2-0 series lead and they let that game slip so whether that sits him back on his heels who knows I think he'll be pretty much the same come Boxing Day would have thought I wonder if he's of the mindset that if he takes up all the attention it doesn't spread out to his teammates if he's the focus it lets uh, the pressure off his teammates Um, I'm not sure if that's the way you know sometimes coaches make themselves the centre of attention so the players don't get picked on but Coley seems to be taking so much I know he thrives off it I wonder if the way the Aussies can go forward is by depriving him of that, much like putting a player on the boundary, depriving them of runs. Maybe they'll try and uh, zip it, but it's been so successful here. Probably can't see the Aussies changing their ways too much. The lightning rod theory, where he, uh, which is not Rodney Hogg, obviously, but there was a similar thought in Australian teams you know, a few decades ago when Alan Border famously told them not to speak to their England opponents in the, during the Ashes series over there in 89 because... They thought they were too chummy, so you need to... Like the Australian team might decide, we'll just ignore, we'll turn our back on, on Virat from now on and not engage him. Um, I'm not sure how successful that would be because he would just keep going and you'd eventually you'd reach a point where you can't take it anymore, which I think is where Tim Payne got to. Whether they... It's a ploy that's maybe worth trying, but you think at one all in the series, the the pressure can only build. And with a huge crowd on Boxing Day, as is traditional... Um, he may be like even more demonstrative, which is pretty hard to imagine in some ways. Do you think Tim Payne could be like Alan Border and become the captain grumpy? 
I don't think it's in Tim Payne's nature to be grumpy. He seems too level-headed and uh, you know, kind of... Mm. Uh, he's a pretty boy. Isn't he a pretty boy? Who was uh, saying that? Justin Langer said that. He said he's the toughest pretty boy he's ever seen, which has upset a few other pretty boys around the place who've <laughs> considered themselves fairly tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's, the one thing they do say is you have to be true to your nature, don't you? And clearly that is Virat's nature. He's uh, an extrovert who likes to almost put a burden upon himself, maybe thinks that he gets the best out of himself. He's, his record sort of batting second in one-day internationals is quite extraordinary, so he likes that. Uh, he knows what the pressure is and to heap it upon himself, but um, I think Tim Payne probably has to just be Tim Payne, and it worked pretty well for him in this match. And talking about the Australians being chummy back in the 80s, uh, a lot about their behaviour and the style of play since the events of Cape Town. Uh, and This is the first test win by Tim Payne and Justin Langer in the new regime. And their behaviour, you would have to say, was pretty much spot on. They were hard, aggressive, playing uncompromising cricket. However, and they were out there sharing their thoughts, saying a few words to the opposition, but it was all in good fun, good-natured, and they didn't come anywhere near the crossing the line or headbutting it or getting anywhere near, you know, treading on it or anything like that. This may be the great revelation of the test, now that the ICC has suggested we should... Or broadcaster should turn up the stump microphone so people can hear what's said um, because that might produce better behaviour on the field if they know it's all going back into people's lounge rooms. I think what's probably been revealed is that this stuff goes on all the time and most of it is just fairly banal, mm. benign banter for want yeah. of a better alliteration. Marcus Harris was telling uh, young Rishpa Pant that there's a good circuit out on Monday night in Perth. This <laughs> is suggesting an early finish, and he could go out there and explore the nightlife. Well, that's right. And you know, Tim Payne just engaging uh, Murali Vijay in conversation about the merits of uh, Indian captain as a bloke or not, um, those sorts of things, you know, and just the constant talking to bowlers is mainly what it's about. And I think people have said that forever, that sledging is, is overrated as a, um, as a tool, certainly, um, at your opponents. And most of it is just encouragement for your own teammates or just trying to say something that momentarily distracts a player gets him thinking about something else. Tim Payne said at the end of the game that he was asked about the exchange he had with the Indian fielders when he got out yesterday, and he said it was just simply that Kale Rahul had pointed out to him that there was a crack on the pitch opening up two balls before he got that one that sort of exploded into his face. And was he was then asked about it as he was leaving the field. Was it, did that one hit the crack? And he just turned around and said, no, it didn't. <laughs> so that's the sort of stuff that goes on. Most people this are the disappointed. Stuff this is the stuff we've been missing for all these years. That's right. This could be a show of its own, just as an audio track. Maybe there could be a, a stump mic podcast. Oh, we don't need any more rivals. We're getting swamped as it is. Uh, it is very interesting. Um, Rambo, what's been the best sledged leveled at you? Or one that you've leveled? Um... I once, because I was an extraordinarily useless lower order batter, someone <laughs> once said to me as I came out to bat, uh, what's after you, meaning who's left in the batting order? And I said, well, it's a 10-minute break. Yeah. <laughs> and no one was surprised by that. Very good. Well, it's hard to, uh, hard to sledge when you look back and the stumps are all over the ground, right? Yeah, that's right. You, you've got nothing to come back there. Fortunately, there was no mic. It would have been smashed into a thousand pieces. Speaking of stumps everywhere, Mitchell Stark splattered the woodwork in this test match. A lot of talk about his form leading up to this test match. Shane Warne got into him. Mitchell Johnson got into him. He looked like he was pretty good here and uh, got that new ball swinging around. Yeah, there was that uh, that first wicket yesterday when he, um, well, he, he knocked over the stumps, but it, it came courtesy of an inside edge. But there was just something kind of 
impressively athletic about it, wasn't he? he was sort of loping in as he does when he's in good rhythm and you could just sense that the, that ball was going to hoop around somewhere and at 145 k's an hour with a bloke who swings the ball on a pitch where it's bouncing and being a little mm. bit unpredictable like you just think every ball he bowls could be a wicket some of them uh, you know again they misfire they you know, wobble down the leg side or one took off and went over Tim Payne's head but um Largely, he was. Uh, he looked to be bowling pretty well. His body language was good. I'm, mm. I'm no body language expert, but he seemed to be doing as you know, as you should as an aggressive fast bowler. Um, and you just think you can't not pick a guy like that, even if he does spray a few around here and there. He's just such a an impressive athlete and such a dangerous bowler that even on flat tracks you'd back him in. And that's what Ricky Ponting said when he does bowl deliveries like that. Everyone just knows. He can bowl those magic deliveries like he did with James Vince last year. They just want to see it all the time. But I guess it makes it even more impactful when he does bowl those deliveries, when he does spray a few down the offside or a few down leg, because then <laughs> if he doesn't really know where they're all going uh, all the time, then what are the batsmen, what's the batsman going to think? That, you know, he might think one go to, might go to second slip next round and is hooping back into his woodwork. Well, that's it. And if you're, you're struggling to keep those out as a uh, top-order specialist batter, how do you think the Indian tail felt today when he was storming in <laughs> He um, wasn't aiming at the stumps, though. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Umesh Yadav copped a couple and just decided, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm just swinging in the hope that he hits the stumps. Otherwise, reckon, I'll have to hit one up in the air. I don't reckon Nishet Sharma hit his. He just had a swing and started walking. <laughs> Giving himself out. It was a faint edge on Snick, a very faint Snick. Uh, what about uh, the wicket? Um, Kaurul was very uh, nice of pointing at the cracks and doing his own pitch inspection out there during live play. But uh, for all the uh, the talk of the, the pitch of death and all this type of stuff, uh, there were only a couple of moments throughout the game that it seemed a little bit uh, hazardous. Most of the time it, it was fast and it was bouncy. It was everything that the, the head curator promised. Uh, yes, and to consider that they... I think as a curator, your worst nightmare is a 38-degree day on day one of the test because there's only so much water you can pump into it on the, the days before to make sure it, it gets through. And uh, someone very wise told me that uh, the cracks that had opened up on the first day were um, problematic, but then when it got didn't get anywhere near that temperature in the subsequent days, when the roller went on it, um, the change of innings, a lot of those cracks then just sort of compacted again a mm. bit because um, the surface still had a bit of water in it, or the, beneath the surface there was still a bit of moisture. So... Um, it held together. The cracks that opened up in some places didn't weren't didn't impact on the game because they were not directly in line with the stumps where the ball lands. Um, but every now and then, one would hit a crack and take off, and that's part of the fun of the game. That's what people loved about yeah. Test matches at, in Perth over the years. That there'd be these moments as game of baking hot days. A few cracks open up, and suddenly it starts flying around like it's like got a mind of its own. And I think that uh, this is any Test match that goes into the fifth day is obviously done well. And this one was pretty. Uh, eventful every session. It's all part of Test cricket, isn't it, Rambo? The different pitches you get all around the world. Some crumble, some of grass, some of them, some crack like every here in Perth. That's what you want to see. Uh, these pitches uh, normally suit fast bowling, but as we said earlier in the show, as we exclusively revealed that Nathan Lyon was player of the match for his eight wickets, he took five in the first innings, uh, which is quite remarkable. He is now the number 25 ranked leading wicket-taker in Test cricket history. Only 24 players in the history of the game have taken more Test wickets than the GOAT. Uh, how impressive has he been, uh, Rambo? And he just seems to be the go-to bowler for Tim Payne. The GOAT-o bowler? Yeah. Um, did we predict before the game that he would be the uh, 
influence. We had a couple of bold predictions. My one was that Stark would come back and take a bag. I didn't didn't get quite five in an inning. Yeah, I think mine was Sean Marsh. So we'll move on. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Virat Kohli said after the match that uh, the fact they hadn't played a spinner that he didn't think was that decisive because it was more the pace and that Nathan Lyon got on the ball that was important, um, more so than any rough on the pitch and unplayable spin. So to think that he's got that in his armoury when there isn't you know, a pitch falling apart and the ball's turning square on the, the last couple of days um, just makes it even more impressive, you'd have to think. Um, and he's so confident with his skill set, as they like to say, that uh, he's throwing himself around in the field, almost took out Marcus Harris today mm. at, uh, on the boundary as he slid after one. And he's, uh, I believe he's topping the series batting averages as well, or somewhere very close for the Australian team, given that he's only been out once in his... Uh, four innings of the series thus far, so he's rapidly becoming, dare I say, Mr. Cricket. <laughs> Mr. Cricket. Well, Marcus is not a fan of that nickname, so perhaps he'll be happy to... He's handed him the team song, so maybe he can hand him the the, the nickname of Mr. Cricket. Maybe Mike Hussey can become a goat. <laughs> uh, he's also got Mitchell Marsh shaking in his boots because he, he's the number one all-rounder in the country. Nathan Lyon might be the number one all-rounder in the country now. Well, you'd have to be... I think there's a case for him to push up the order. I mean, Pat Cummins has obviously been batting quite well at number eight, but uh, I'm not sure Mitch Stark's Mitchell numbers... Stark. Uh, he did get a few in the last wicket partnership yesterday, but... Uh, Maybe there's a case there. Let's push it for him. We'll, we'll, we'll launch it here on this podcast. <laughs> Nathan Lyon for number nine. Uh, looking ahead to the Melbourne Boxing Day Test Match, one all Rambo. Um, Australia have named an unchanged 13-player squad for that. Uh, I guess the big talking point, and a couple of experts have come out and said it, that Peter Hanscom's form is a little bit scratching. His technique might not be up for... Uh, up to test match standard. Where do we stand on this one? Uh, I guess it's um, up for the selectors. He is going to go back to his home ground, so that might um, make it uh, make it sensible to pick him. And, and the Australian fast bowlers didn't do a whole lot of bowling in this test match, and they avoided that first day when it was 47 degrees out there in the middle. I wonder what they're going to do with the test 11 heading into Boxing Day. Uh, it's true, isn't it? They haven't had a batsman score a century in this series to date. Mind you, there's there's only been two, uh, both come the Indians. Um, you'd have to think that he's never going to find himself under more scrutiny than he is at the moment, Peter Hanscom. But there's people picking apart his technique. He has apparently said that he's comfortable with it. He doesn't want to make drastic changes to the way he bats. Um, it's quite a unique technique, if that's a rhyme. Alliterations mm. um, rhyme. It'll come. Oh, it's, it's a word fest. Um, but you're right, he would be in familiar surrounds. He'll also be picked apart by the Indian quicks who've very clearly got a plan to him, push him back in his crease. Um, he didn't have to deal with the spin of Ashwin in this test, but he's um, probably struggled to find a way. Um, yeah. The thing is that squad is for the last two tests, I think, so yep. they're basically flagging they're not going to change their batting line-up for the entire series, which is uh, interesting, but I suppose they reserve the right to bring someone in if they feel there's a desperate need. So you've got to think that if Peter Hanscom doesn't produce a, a score in the Boxing Day test and the top order is still a little bit flaky, then he, he comes under enormous pressure. But... Um, you know, for his sake, he can find some runs in front of his home crowd on the biggest day on the cricket calendar. 
mm-hmm. um, and then we can all focus on something else. And he missed out last year. He got dropped after two tests. It'd be a shame to see him dropped after two tests again this summer and miss out uh, on another home test match. He did take a couple of very important catches too. We, maybe he's just his fielding is what's well, keeping him apart from some others. They always say that you have to. What's your value add? You just can't be a batter or a bowler on the side. You have to be either you know handy fielder or mixing the drinks or some sort of t- singing the team song or something like that. You have to be able to contribute in other ways. Maybe that's his. And he's a backup keeper if they needed one. Well, unfortunately, at the moment, it's his fielding first and his batting second. But uh, hopefully, that does a um, <laughs> does a flip and he's um, scoring runs out there at MCG. And it sounds like Aaron Finch, his Victorian teammate, will also be out there after copying that nasty ball on the finger. Mitchell Stark was responsible for hitting that index finger twice before this test match. Uh, he copped another nasty one out there in the middle. He went off for scans and X-rays, and he came back. There was talk that it would had it protruded through the skin. I don't know where people come up with this because if it's uh, a compound fracture, you're not hanging around for the physio to look at it. You, I would imagine you're walking straight off. I think you probably know that pretty much yourself. When you don't even bother taking the glove off, you just go straight down. No. I think. Uh, um, yeah, so there's confidence that he will be right to go. He didn't field um, during India's second innings. Um, so fingers, I think when you crack a finger at that end, there's not much you can do. You can't put that in plaster, can you? You can splint it up and mm. try and keep it be one of those Murphy's Law things, you can guarantee the next time he picks up a bat, something will raise or rear off the pitch and hit it again because that just seems to happen. Feels like Tim Payne's always got one of those balls that shoots up under his armpit and he's trying to fend it off and his hand's coming off the bat. He's had such terrible, terrible trouble with his fingers in the past. So fingers crossed for Aaron Finch and for Tim Payne and for the Australians. Uh, India, they've got a few selection decisions to make as well, don't they? They've got... Uh, all kinds of issues at the top of the order. Murali Vijay is averaging 12 and a quarter. K.L. Rahul is having partners averaging 12. The, the young gun, Prithvi Shaw, who hey, came into this series with um, with an extremely impressive background and only uh, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old now, um, a, a magnificent rep- rep- reputation. He's been ruled out. He's not going to play the rest of the series. Uh, they've flown in uh, a replacement opener and uh, another all-rounder, Hardik Pandya. What they do with their 11 is going to be very interesting. We, we, we don't know the fitness of Ravi Ashwin, and we don't know how Rohit Sharma's going. So there's lots of unknowns coming out of the Indian camp. No, and uh, their other spinning all-rounder, Ravi Jadeja, his contribution to this test was to, to get in a little bit of a uh, frosty exchange with one of his teammates. So yes. whether that's an indication of uh, unrest in the camp or just a bit of you know some uh, argument that needed to be settled out on the field, I'm not sure. Uh Ashwin's injury, we don't know. Side strains, people like to say they're incredibly tricky. It takes a while to get them right. Um, you can't imagine they would go into a Sydney or Melbourne test without a specialist spinner. Uh, Kuldeep Yadav is in the squad as well. He might be uh, looked at. But the pro- real problem for them is they've their middle order batting, their 3, 4, 5 is pretty much it, isn't it? They've Their openers have failed. Their uh, lower middle order, they haven't found the answer there. And young Rishab. Punt likes to play a few shots, but you can't imagine uh, he's going to um, stay long. Every time he goes out there, he's uh, he's got every shot in the book except the forward defence. I think. Uh, and so the tail is very and the tail long. is yeah is the tail. Um, Ashwin provides some batting stability for them when he plays. He's almost an all rounder in the the goat mould. But um, yeah, they, they did say bef- before the first test that. Um, Pandya was a big loss because he adds that all-round stability. He can bat and bowl a few seamers. 
Um, so if they bring in an, a new opener, you just wonder which of the two out of form ones they get rid of. I would have thought it's probably Vijay. He's the uh, K.O. Rahul has always been touted as one of the next big things in Indian cricket. He hasn't looked like it in this series, but uh, they just need to get some more runs around Pujara, Kohli and Rahane because, um, as we saw here in the second innings, once those three go, the Australians pretty much knew they were they were through and there wasn't much holding them back. That's it. I think we're done here, Rambo. Uh, thank you again for coming on. You've made a, a last-minute um, contribution right at the end of the year. Uh, unlike my batting in my day when uh, I made no contribution and I was very last minute. But I, can, I just want to say this has been the greatest test match I've covered at this venue uh, going back 130 years. Was that when you f- first watched your first test match? Or? That's just after Perth was settled, I think. Please thank Andrew Rams again. Hopefully we'll see him uh, right around the Sydney test match at the, the fourth test of this blockbuster series. <laughs> I'm Pat Cummins, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. Our next guest has played 73 tests for Australia, taking 313 test wickets. He's part of the ABC Grandstand Radio coverage of the Domain Test Series. He joins us now. Please welcome Mitchell Johnson. <laughs> Mitchell, welcome, mate. Uh, what did you make of the first test? That's oh, nice to be here, and uh, what a test it was. It was... Full of excitement, um, that's for sure. It was a lot of talk about the wicket and day one and how it was going to play. Will it last the five days? A lot of tinge of green and yeah, the uncertainty of uh, a new wicket. Uh, there'd been the Shield game that w- was played here beforehand um, and the talk of that was that it was doing quite a, a bit with divots being made in the, in the pitch and it started to move around a bit, the new ball was getting wickets, but then Nathan Lyon also getting a ton of wickets, so he could only really go off that. When uh, you saw it, did you want to go out there and bowl? Yes, uh, <laughs> probably not straight away. It wasn't until probably uh, was that spell of uh, India's spell of fast bowling when they really came hard at Australia and put them under so much pressure. The ball was bound. It was almost like Durban-like in South Africa, where the tide had changed and the the wicket had changed, and it was that back of a length. And it was bouncing quite high, that Tim Payne ball. Those kind of deliveries really um, got the blood blood going up in the, the commentary box. And um, it was a great view from where I was. And I definitely wanted to get out there and have a bowl on that. It was, look, no no disrespect to the Wacker. Uh, my last test match there was uh, pretty flat um, compared to that. So <laughs> that would have been nice to have ended on something like that. But, um, yeah, what ifs. What impressed you most about Australia's win? There was a lot of things, but I think the one thing was the character of the team and how they fought through this test match. They did it in Adelaide. I, I, I saw a lot of good signs there in Adelaide. They they fought to the very end. They didn't give up. And we're starting to see Tim Payne, his character as a captain, and I'm glad that he, he stood up to the, the number one team in the world. Uh, he didn't just take it. Um, he, he stood up, and we heard a lot of that on the stump mics, which I think was... When I think back, I'm not sure if I would have liked to have those stump mics on uh, while I was playing. Because <clears throat> Tim was pretty clever. You, he was very is clever. Is that why you didn't yeah. want them up there? It was more, I think, yeah. uh, he's probably a little smarter than me. He's got a <laughs> bit more banter. Well, I know he's your captain, but you can't seriously lie things away. The thing was, I think 
what it showed is that there was nothing personal said. I think there was good banter from both teams. I love to see that from both both teams. There's no one way street. It was happening both sides, and we saw that spell of bowling where India would come. We saw a few spells of it, to be honest, where they got up and about. So um, it was a great contest between bat and ball, but also the verbal side of it, which we saw and heard, and, and it wasn't um, as... It's not abuse. So that's right. it can be there a was part no of the swearing. Game. No was, swearing. Oh, I think that's the problem I would have had. I, I did sometimes swear. <laughs> and it was more out of uh, the heat of the moment. It wasn't uh, It wasn't a, on a personal level or anything like that. I wouldn't have had a problem with... Just for emphasis, right? More for, yeah, angry fast bowler. Sure. Uh, go with the mo. Nostrils and flaring. Kind of yeah. Breathing I mean, heavily. Murphy's, for instance. Yeah. I'm sure... He never stuff, swore. Oh, well. <laughs> no, we can't lip read, can we? But... Um, yeah, look, I think the whole contest, it, it, it was a great um, spectacle and it showed great, they, they showed great character, Australia. And look, the test match itself was just absolutely brilliant. The Tim Payne one in particular about uh, asking Murali Vijay <laughs> if, uh, if Vera Kohli is a good bloke, even though he's your captain, what do you think? Um, that was pretty good. Well, it's humour, isn't it? It's not, it's not, is it having a go at someone's personality? Is it getting personal? I don't know. I, I I don't think we're, as observers of the game, I don't think that was looked at that way. I think it was just a funny little barb. Yeah. A little bit of humor. There's nothing wrong with it. I I have no issues with it. And if it happened the other way around, I think I I would have been happy with that as well if it was the other way around. Because I think it's just funny. That's right. It's funny stuff. That's right. Try and be clever. Try and be, I was saying earlier today, you know, when did the Australian team become so funny? Probably about uh, three years ago <laughs> at the Wacker when some bloke retired. But, That's you know, right. it was a, a a complete performance, really, and what a rebound from Adelaide. Um, what do the Aussies have to do next to make sure they keep this momentum heading into Boxing Day? Hopefully we see a wicket like we have seen in Adelaide and Perth, a result wicket which has got a nice balance between bat and ball. Yeah, well, it was on uh, notice last time, wasn't it, the MCG, after a pretty docile flat wicket, so... Um, I think we, we we would expect something a little different to that, uh, something maybe with a little bit of grass early on. We just want a good test match wicket like we saw here. Um, I think um, maybe in between here and Adelaide type of wicket. So that we want to have that bounce and that pace and that carry and, and spin to come in a bit later into the game. Mm. I think that's just the, the it'd be a fair fair wicket to see that battle between bat and ball. Um, so Australia, what they need to do now is they they need to enjoy this victory because I. I Huge relief um, after what's been Absolutely. going on. Justin um, Langer's first win as coach. First coach, yeah. There's a lot of young guys in that team that don't know the team team song yet. So they they deserve to, to celebrate this and, and enjoy it and then get back on track after um, being down in the dressing rooms. First time, win it, a new stadium. The first um, home side first, that's won here. Exactly, yep. So look, uh, get back on track after they, they enjoy themselves and They've got a little bit of time in between to to freshen up and get their heads uh, back on 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 track and yeah uh, uh, they won't get too far ahead of themselves and JL won't let that happen. I think they're in a really really good place at the moment and um, and like Nathan Lyon said, there's a lot of work to do still with the bowlers. He's he's come out and said that and he thinks that they can improve on a lot of things, including himself. So that's a really good sign to me that they're not. Um, going to be thinking about oh we're ahead now we're 
we are one all, but we're ahead of India. Where we've got that momentum, he'll just be sticking to the processes. Well, let's get better, boys. The batting can get better. What about Nathan, what about Nathan Lyon, Mitch? Um, brilliant. Yeah. He's your training partner. You guys have very similar <laughs> physiques. Uh, he's overtaken you on the wickets tally now. I mean, you are oh, light years ahead. behind now. Um, yeah, Mitchell who? Uh, but how good's he? And how good Kenny Bam? He's he's only thirty one. I mean, an off spinner. How old did you? Is he thirty one? How old did I you? Thought he was forty one. Um, you might look at how old did you? Um, were you when you retired? Uh, thirty three or so? Four, thirty five. Thirty five. I just turned thirty five. Well, he I man, think it was off spinner. He's a sprightly character. He could go till he's forty. The way oh, he's going. The way he's going. He really does know his game. He's and he's getting 20th, better. Twenty fifth uh, most wicket wicket taker in the uh, in test test match cricket. That's overall. a good stat. Thought you weren't a stats guy. No, I just heard it before, oh, so right. I thought I'd bring it up. Yep. <laughs> I am. I'm not a stats guy, but that's. It's impressive. Though. Only twenty four other players in the history of Test cricket have taken more wickets. Bloody impressive, um, and and for the amount of, um, I guess the, the criticism early on in his career, and and sort of probably, uh, it's only up until two years ago really that he, he copped a fair bit of criticism for his for his bowling and not knowing he didn't have that confidence. He, he wasn't really um, bowling the way he was. Um, Isn't it funny that we were always talking about picking and sticking and chopping and changing, and yep. the one guy they have done that with. Turns out to be one of the all-time greats of Australian cricket. Exactly. And I felt like there was a period where maybe they weren't going to stick with him. Um, they, they've dropped him from... Was that Hobart Test cricket. in 2016? You know, there was a big change. Yeah, there was I think lots so. of talk about Steve yeah. O'Keefe coming in the team, but poor old Sox done a calf and they stuck with line and then next thing you know, he's These things happen and look what, look what we're seeing now. We're seeing absolute brilliance by him. It, it, it is really... not sure unbelievable is the word, um, but it's just... It just goes to show all the hard work and the persistence of him. Um, he, he really does love the game. He, he wears the baggy green with pride. He'd be loving singing this team song now. Um, Is he the first one picked now? He's definitely the first one picked. Oh, Tim Payne, captain, but yep. um, I think he's done a, an exceptional job. But yeah, Nathan Lyon, the goat, the super goat, the super goat, the super goat. He's got the cape on as well. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely first picked uh, for me, but. He just—it's—it's it's just balancing the side out. He, he does—he does what he needs to do. He—he he comes in, he, he backs up the bowlers, the, the quick bowlers, uh, but then he gets wickets on a wicket that we thought, okay, this is going to be dominant for fast bowlers. India picked four fast bowlers. Yeah, and they, they, missed, the out, they, they missed out on a spinner. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bahari, uh, Bilhari bowled pretty well on this wicket. Yeah, not not uh, a guy that you're picking. Uh, as your main spinner, but just imagine if if Ashwin was fit, you just wonder. Oh, but if they have other spinners game. in their team. They've got Richard Deja and they've got Kuldeep Yadav. That's true. They had and options. Jadeja is is a quality quality spinner, that's for sure, and he's dominated Australia over in Indian conditions before. Yes. So it would have been interesting to see him play here. But I think the left handers, the amount of left handers, may have come into factor. Possibly. Can grow a nice beard though, can he? Jadeja. It's Speaking immaculate. Of before, weren't we? It doesn't take him long. It, it's Sign it's seriously... up for November. Get him. He could come up with some kind of oh, crazy. He's had some good mows. I think I'm trying to go the that twirly. The twirl, sort of, yeah. yeah. He's very French. I need to ask him for some tips. To be honest, I'll tell you who else has a nice beard is the Indian captain Virat Kohli. Now, Mitch, you have uh, a long history with Virat. Uh, good mates, some would say. Would uh, you say depends <laughs> what your class is, mates? Um, but how do you think he's been received uh, in this test match? He has gone up a level with his um, theatrics, I guess you could say. He made a magnificent hundred and scratch early on against some good fast bowling, and Nathan Lyon troubled him at times. But 
he was determined and resolute and posted his 25th Test Match 100. But I guess a lot of the attention is this stuff when he's not batting and yep. the way that he's been carrying on in the field. From your perspective, Look, what did you I, make of it? I guess for me, I, I've been asked this uh, on many of occasions. I've made comments throughout this test and, and in previous um, tests we've had and a bit on of Twitter. A, yeah, look, I, I guess I better really get get it out there and, and, and just say my piece, I guess. Um, look, he is the best batsman in the world. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, and we're all impressed by the way he plays the game. That 100 uh, in the first innings was, was exceptional. Um, I think the where the issue had started with us um, and look, I don't let these things. I don't dwell on these things. It's just now that I'm seeing the game from the outside, and I have a bit more of a voice where you can say how you're feeling. Um, I guess where it started was in that 2014 series, and I threw the ball back at him to try and hit the stumps. He hit back at me the MCG, and I apologised straight away because I hit him, and it wasn't intentional. I said sorry, mate. It wasn't intentional. I was trying to hit your stumps. And he sort of just looked at me in, in anger and bowled a couple more balls. And I think I nicked one through slip or there was a drop catch. or, or was Watson around that, at first Around slip. that period, yeah. He doesn't and, like remembering that water. No. <laughs> it sort of made 160-odd. So, um, thanks, Watto. Um, but no, uh, look, he came at the end of the over and came hard at me. And, and he said, you can't do that. You can't do that to me. You can't throw the ball back at me. And, and tried to play, I guess, the... Um, stand over me really and be, and say that he was better than me and that I couldn't play the game um, my way basically and that I had to follow his rules um, and uh, I think in the press conference that night I think he, he said that he had no respect for me um, so that's where he lost me and that's where it's probably s- sort of kept going a little bit Well Mitch I've actually got a clip of that Vera Coley press conference let's uh, have a listen to it now Do you respect Mitch Johnson? Do you respect the Australians? I respect quite a few of them, but someone who doesn't respect me, I've got no reason to respect him. Um, there were words in Adelaide as well uh, where they said no unnecessary respect for him. I said I don't need it. The behaviour through this test match, um, I think it was a, a catch that was claimed by Pete Hanscom. It's gone upstairs. Uh, whether Virat was wanting that to go upstairs, or not, I'm not sure he wanted to walk. Um, no, he was he staying. Has, he was staying there. He wasn't convinced. Well, no, I, that's what I thought. But either way, he ta- you got to take that decision on board. Um, it was given out. They're always hard to see those decisions. If it was given not out, that would have been. It probably would have stayed not out. Mm. Um, those decisions are always going to be controversial. I think when they come to it, we never liked it as a player when you go upstairs for those with those catches because you always thought it was going to get overturned or it just never looks right on TV. Um, whether it's the pixelation of the the TV screens or not, I don't know. But the decision was made. He came off as he was coming off. And I actually had friends in the crowd that I'd I'd spoken to about this. Um, They said that was was a standing ovation for him. He'd made a brilliant 100, got his team back in the game, and he didn't raise his bat or acknowledge the crowd. And I thought, as a player, not just the captain, that's that's pretty pretty ordinary, um, and it's disappointing. Uh, And then not to turn up to the press conference. Um, I think when you score 100 and you're the captain, there's a bit of controversy. I think as the captain, you should stand up for your team, get in there, basically squash it and move on. But now it's being talked about and it just keeps continuing. Mm. He's put a young player's boomer up in, up into the, the fire. Um, and yeah, I just don't think it's uh, it was a very, very good, um, very good thing, to be honest. It just looked um, like he was 
was probably yeah, not too happy with the decision and, and he sort of just dragged it out and just made it all about him. Well, he's got two more tests left uh, and then a couple of one days and I'm sure the Australians will go hard at him, no doubt, including Mitchell Stark, who you uh, had a couple of comments about him. Sledged him too. You sledged you were at him as well. There's no one... <laughs> Is anyone safe, Mitch, from your uh, <laughs> from not only your deliveries but from your uh, verbal attacks? But no, seriously, you had a uh, said about his body language, but you caught up with him and had a chat with him, um, and even Starker said that you guys yeah. are all sweet. But yeah. after what you saw um, here in Perth, the take on take on board what you said, and I mean, he bowled considerably better. And, and yeah. to be fair, I think even Stark said it that take away three or four overs in Adelaide, yeah. he. He was pretty happy with the way he bowled. It was just that second, yeah, that yeah. spell with the second new ball in the second innings that um, he just couldn't get his radar right. But he just showed what a wicket-taking threat he is here in Perth. Yeah, I mean, how great is it to be on the media side now and you can say what you want um, and <laughs> criticise <laughs> as many guys as you want? No, uh, You were one of the guys that hated the criticism. Now you're doing it. Look at this. Well, no, it's not that I hated. It was just uh, I just had a poor relationship at the start. It probably started in '09. Where I just mm. and it wasn't uh, it was all personal and I just didn't like it uh, with the mum stuff and yep. that really sort of put me off the media but um, I grew relationships with a lot of media personalities and um, it was it was all fine in the end but yeah I think you definitely see it from a different view when you when you're sitting back and you're watching the game and you see different things and to be able to see his body language in that test match the only reason I said it is because I've been through it and yep. it just was to me it was noticeable and and it wasn't a, a uh, an attack on him um, to make him feel bad or to say that you're, you're bowling rubbish or it was more just to say, okay, look, he's the leader of the attack. Everyone's looking to him to be up and about. You see it and you see it through this test match or we've seen it through this test match when he was getting involved and getting it through there and bowling fast and getting a, uh, a bit of that energy that the crowd gets up, the fielders, his teammates get up. You drive that energy. So... That's all it was about, and I had a good chat with him afterwards, and I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, because it was sort of the first time I really made a comment like that against a, well, towards a mate of mine mm. um, who I'd played with, and but he said, all good. Um, he did make it sweat on me. You had a coffee me. there, didn't you? Yeah, we did. He made me sweat on it for, for a night, so what I was is, a bit panicky. But What, what did you get? Uh, well, we have a coffee. Yeah, what did you have? Just a coffee, mate. Long Mac. Yeah. Topped well, up. We had a... Yeah, so we had a there's no like Latte. smashed avocado, and you didn't have any eat anything. No, I bought him. I did oh. buy buy him uh, some some. What was it? Breakfast, a bit of smashed avocado and feta, yeah. and wow, he he really did go all out. Actually, he emptied my pockets. You really um, were stressing, weren't you? you? Went all you went out, <laughs> went all out to try and nah, get him look, back in the just, good books. I'm just a nice guy. Ugh. So no, nah, I sat down with him and had a really good chat. And he just said, "Look, he had no issue with what I said. He he understands." And we had a really good chat, and I got the sit down and see where he was coming from and he got to see where I was coming from. I'm there to help and he knows that. The, the team knows that. Um, it's just now that I'm on the other side, it, sometimes these headlines will come out if I say something. What I say will have some sort of impact in the media and then mm. it will have an impact on the players. But as long as they know that it's not... As long as you talk to them and, and personally. I do talk to them. Yeah. I'll, I'm trying to help. I want the best out of those guys. So... It's never, it's never anything um, inflammatory or personal or, um, yeah. So they they they're all okay with it, I guess. You guess. Two questions left, Mitch. <laughs> uh, we're on the eve of the BBL season, the KC Big Bash League. Who's your tip to win? 
Uh, Perth Scorchers, mate. That's a pretty simple question. Um, answer to that question. Yeah. Are you, Perth Scorchers are you just because... looking at this through orange-tinted eyes here? or well, well, how am I supposed to look at it? Well, you're now an impartial member of the media. You should be able to cast an unbiased view on the competition. Uh, is that part a... of the job description, is it? Well, you've just gone out and slagged Vera Coley and Mitchell Stark and half the rest of the teams out there playing. I just want to see some great cricket. Oh. See the stadium light up in the orange and... It might get 40,000 here you know. for the first game. Yeah, they'll, they'll be a I'll decent say, crowd here for sure. And, uh, so you're going for the Scorchers, though? Oh, of course Who's I am. in the final? Oh, Who's I? in the final? I'm not going then? for the Brisbane Heat. Who's in the final? I'm not going to go for... I could go for the Brisbane Heat, I, I guess. Well, I you do know a few of the, the seven, boys there. And seven other teams. I just wouldn't go for Sydney or Melbourne. So they knocked out four there. Yep. Don't like the strikers repeating? Drop, they probably should drop two teams out of the competition. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, look, it's it's a, it's a great competition, and I'm sure there's going to be lots more excitement this year. I'm not sure about the bat toss, but um, what do I know? As long as it's fifty fifty, I don't think it really matters. Uh, and finally, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, what do I want for Christmas? Um, a Lamborghini, <laughs> uh, holiday. Uh, what do you want? Uh, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, no, all right, well, that's cool. No, no, look, um, it's going to be a great Christmas this year. I, don't have too many more commitments now. Just doing a few articles uh, for the Sunday Times here in Perth, and so I'll keep following the cricket. Um, I think I'm coming here for the Boxing Day uh, Scorchers game. I think I've been invited to, to uh, be here for that because I didn't really um, leave on the right terms. That's I right. Guess. Matthew Aid sort of... smashed you around here, didn't he? Uh, when was that? I don't remember. When that. Was your last game? He crashed you everywhere. I think Didn't he just he kept bowling shorter How and faster he? and he kept hitting you for six. Oh, the wicket was was flat. It wasn't oh, like that. It's always the wicket's <laughs> fault, isn't it? Well, <laughs> Never the bowler, mate. That's right. Back up and Yep. Nah, game. that was... Uh, look, that was disappointing, but great crowd we had in there for first Scorchers game of the new stadium and look, I expect more big crowds here. Wonderful. Mitch, thank you so much for your time, mate. Have a great summer. A Merry Christmas yeah, and hopefully uh, the uh, Lamborghini arrives in the uh, stocking no, at the end of the bed. not, mate. <laughs> Maybe toy car. <laughs> Let's hear a big round of applause for Mitchell Johnson. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. The Rebel Women's Big Bash League is in full swing. And the KFC Big Bash League kicks off this week. It's going to be a huge summer. All your news scores and video on bigbash.com.au. And for everything you need to know about the Domain Test Series, scores, updates, highlights, everything, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.